Hello, my friends, and welcome again to the Bible Lab, the podcast where we explore major themes from every book of the Bible in order to see how each page points us to Jesus, who he is and what he's done. I'm your host, Andy Wood. Thank you for joining me, friends. We are looking at the book of Joshua. And so our fourth and final theme in the book of Joshua is this. The author of Joshua defined Israel's relationship to the promised land. The promised land, which this promised land was originally mentioned all the way back in Genesis as God promised Abraham that he would give to Abraham's descendants the land where Abraham was, the land of Canaan. The promised land is a central theme in the book of Joshua. The word land appears 85 times in 24 chapters. This is a book about God's promised fulfillment of giving his people the land. And the author of Joshua shows us how God delivered the land to Israel. We've looked at that in previous episodes, how God, it's God, not Israel, God who defeats the people of Canaan. God uses supernatural means like hailstones or making the sun stand still. It's God who wins the battle, who fights for Israel and delivers the land to his people. And the author of Joshua also shows what the Israelites must do to take full advantage of the blessing. We've also talked about this, how the land, on the one hand, is an unconditional promise that God has promised to give to the people of Israel, but their enjoyment of the land is entirely based on how they respond to God's commands. And so the author goes into great detail about which tribe gets which region to stress God's faithfulness to his word. And friends, if you've never read through Joshua, let me warn you. The middle section of Joshua is like reading a map. It's not the most exciting part of Scripture. There's a lot of details about which tribe gets which city and which villages and which pasture lands and from this river to that mountain range. It can be very boring. But remember, if you were an Israelite reading this document, you would be filled with wonder that, wow, the land that I'm living was given to me by God in fulfillment to promises he made hundreds of years before I was even born. It's an amazing testimony to God's faithfulness. Joshua 21, 43 through 45 says this, Thus the Lord gave to Israel all the land that he swore to give to their fathers, and they took possession of it, and they settled there. And the Lord gave them rest on every side, just as he had sworn to their fathers. Not one of all their enemies had withstood them, for the Lord had given all their enemies into their hands. Not one word of all the good promises that the Lord had made to the house of Israel had failed, all came to pass. Simply put, Israel needed to obey God and stay faithful to the covenant he made with them at Mount Sinai. They didn't have to worry about what the international scene looked like. They didn't have to worry about the weather. They didn't have to worry about anything other than let's obey God and he has promised to take care of the rest. As Joshua says to the people in his farewell address, Therefore, be very strong to keep and to do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses, turning aside from it neither to the right hand nor to the left, that you may not mix with these nations remaining among you or make mention of the names of their gods or swear by them or serve them or bow down to them, but you shall cling to the Lord your God just as you have done to this day. Joshua also warns the people. A few verses later in Joshua twenty-three sixteen, he says, Remember, If you transgress the covenant of the Lord your God, which he commanded you, and you go and serve other gods and bow down to them, then the anger of the Lord will be kindled against you, and you shall perish quickly from off the good land that he has given to you. Now, friends, remember that God, who breathed out and inspired the scriptures, has given us not just a dry, dusty, old history textbook full of facts and names that don't really matter, they're not going to be on the test, But he's given us a history of the people of Israel to lead us 
to faithfulness, to lead us to holiness, to lead us to cling to the same God. So let's take the book of Joshua and let's make some modern day connections. So like the Israelites, we have been called into fellowship with God, but we're under a different covenant. And like the Israelites, we're following a leader into danger, into warfare. The Israelites were following Joshua and we're following Jesus. Jesus is the infinitely greater Joshua. He is the one leading his people into the promised land. He is the one giving them rest on every side. He is the one defeating our enemies. So we have a greater covenant and we have a greater Joshua. The people of Israel lived under the Mosaic covenant. And under the Mosaic covenant, God gave Israel the land and they enjoyed it and controlled it according to their obedience. And under the new covenant, however, we're not promised a land. In this life, as Christians, we are not promised that if we come to Jesus, we will be given attractive land that, you know, good harvests and promised to have abundant herds and flocks. We're, we're not promised that. In fact, we're promised suffering and opposition. Under the new covenant, we're not promised a land. And in the new covenant, membership is not restricted to Israelites. The new covenant membership doors have been flung open to all the nations and you are allowed to come in and worship Yahweh even if you've never been circumcised, even if you eat bacon, even if you don't rest on Saturday. Membership is not restricted to ethnic Israelites. Our covenant, the new covenant, the one brought in by Jesus includes Gentiles. And this was prophesied and predicted from the very beginning. Remember, Abraham was blessed to be a blessing to all of the nations. And this promise is there throughout all of the Old Testament. Isaiah 56, 3 through 7 talks about foreigners who join themselves to the Lord. And God says of these foreigners, those who trust him, those who obey him, who hold fast to him, he says in Isaiah 56, verse 5, I will give in my house and within my walls a monument and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them these foreigners who join themselves to me. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. And the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord, to minister to him, to love the name of the Lord, and to be his servants, everyone who keeps the Sabbath and does not profane it and holds fast my covenant, these I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar, for my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. Isaiah 66, 18 through 23, God says, I know their works and their thoughts, and the time is coming together, all nations and all tongues, and they shall come and shall see my glory. God says, from his people, he will send out messengers, heralds to the nations, to the coastlands far away that have not heard my fame or seen my glory, and they shall declare my glory among the nations, and they shall bring your brothers from all the nations as an offering to the Lord. God is saying, from Israel, I will send out my people and they will bring the nations to me to come and worship. This is the covenant we are a part of. We share in God's blessings. I'm a Gentile. You are likely a Gentile. We are Gentiles in the new covenant and we share in God's blessings by entering into a non-physical spiritual kingdom. Now again, that's a temporary status because our eternal dwelling is not in a non-physical, spiritual, heavenly realm while the earth just goes on as it is. No, Jesus is going to come back one day and heaven and earth will join and we will spend eternity in a body on the earth. But for right now, friends, we have entered into God's kingdom. It's a non-physical, spiritual kingdom right now and we are enjoying God's blessings. And this happens for we Gentiles 
We're not born into God's kingdom. We're born as sons of wrath, sons of destruction, but we are adopted. It happens through adoption as God's children. Now, this old covenant that we're talking about that Joshua was operating under involved a promise of land, right? The promised land. But for Christians, we don't get land right now, but the covenant we are entering into with Jesus, it involves a promise of the earth one day. As it says in Matthew 5, 5, blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. And in Romans 4, 13, Paul says the promise to Abraham and to his offspring, and if you've trusted in Jesus, you're Abraham's offspring, that he would be the heir of the world. Abraham trusted in God and all those who follow in his footsteps, who trust in God's promises, who are part of the family of Abraham. Friends, we are co-heirs with Christ. And one day, though not right now, one day we will inherit the universe. Right now, our inheritance is in heaven. Our inheritance is Jesus. He is the one we get. 1 Peter 1, 3-5 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Our hope is not in dead metals like gold or silver or diamonds. Our hope is living. Jesus Christ, alive from the dead, is our living hope. And we have been called to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for me and you. Our inheritance is in heaven. And our covenant doesn't climax with being given a land that we will enjoy for a limited number of years before we die, but our covenant climaxes with fellowship with God in the new heavens and the new earth. Revelation 21, 1 through 4, John says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven, the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. This is what we have to look forward to. But we also have things to enjoy right now. And right now, believers can enjoy God's rest. Joshua led the people in the promised land. He gave them rest from earthly enemies. For you and I, friends, members of the new covenant, we're not promised rest from earthly enemies. We're going to have enemies in opposition. We're going to be persecuted, hated by all men for the name of Christ. But we have spiritual rest because we have an unbreakable eternal communion with the Father. This is the rest that Jesus has given us. We also right now get to enjoy loving fellowship in a new community of believers. We're not alone. We're not journeying by ourselves. Even if trusting in Christ means our family turns their backs on us, our friends cast us away. We have left one family and entered into an eternal and many, 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 many times larger family. A new family based on the work of Christ. A new family united to Christ and united to one another in love. Friends, ultimately, believers, members of this new covenant, will enjoy unending face-to-face communion with God. Revelation 22, 4, they will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. Read the book of Joshua and be amazed at the power and faithfulness of our God and understand that what God did for them, as amazing as it was, 
It is absolutely nothing compared to what he has in store for those who love Jesus. So friends, the next time we come together, Lord willing, we're going to look at some lessons and applications from the book of Joshua. But for now, take up and read. God bless. God bless.